This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. It's where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Uh, today, we've got our host of the Market Forecast, John Hoagland. Hey, John. Hey, Eddie. How are you? Uh, pretty good. And, John, you know, today we've got our podcast with uh, Tracy Shukart. You might know her as Shy Girl on Twitter. Yes, I know her, and uh, she's got some really good uh, informative Twitter posts. You know, this is Tracy's second time with us. And, you know, I got to honestly say it's even more informative. It's a real pleasure to take the time and ask her trading questions. And we even got some questions from our traders. From our traders? You know, we do. And we've opened up questions in our Facebook traders community to our guests on the Limit Up podcast. And any member can submit a question. It's a great idea. It's probably, we probably got some pretty good questions. You know, we got some fantastic questions. So why don't we jump right into it? Uh, are you ready for Tracy? Well, let's do it. Here's my interview with Tracy Shukart. Tracy Shukart, a.k.a. Chai Girl, international internet sensation. Well, you might have seen her comments on Twitter. Maybe yet another podcast. Now, today we have Tracy with us and we'll be exploring the oil markets and talk about how Tracy evaluates trades and embraces the ever so loving crude market. Hello, Tracy. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Very nice to have you here with us. And, uh, well, Tracy, this this crude market here, you know, I wouldn't want to say it's on a a pause right now, but it's really not moving to where a lot of people really want it to go. It's sort of doing its own thing. I mean, agree, disagree? I mean, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of things that people are kind of overlooking is, you know, I mean, we had this spectacular $35 drop, basically, right, which didn't really give traders a lot of breathing room to... Um, get in. I mean, it was pretty much, you know, straight down. So it's made it a very difficult trade. And, it, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with, well, fundamentals, what was going on in the oil market. First, we had Iran sanctions and they ran it all the way up because they thought that 3.5 million barrels were coming off the market. And then, um, of course, we had waivers. Uh, we had Trump tweets. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. But what really I was eyeing at the time, and I think it's kind of an underused uh, tool in the oil market, was the COT report, Commitment of Traders. Mm -hmm. So you, if you notice, sort of starting in June, even though we kind of ran it, we, we ran it up, ran it down, and then ran it to a, a new high um, before the final descent in uh, the last quarter. But if it started in June, its funds started liquidating. So I was watching that. So I knew, you know, at some point we're going to hit a high because I was watching longs and we were overly long. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was something like 14 to one, which is a huge ratio to be you know, long short. Um, so I was kind of watching that. And we did start kind of dipping, you know, early on in the summer. Then, then we came back up. Uh, but even when we came back up, funds were liquidating. So, you know, at that time, I was kind of looking for where a top would be using sort of that information. Right. And then obviously equate that to what levels I thought in the chart would be so technical. So that's kind of using fundamental information to technical information. Right. And then what we had is a spectacular liquidation, right? And everything just snowballed because funds had been liquidating and then it was mass liquidation. Let's head for the door. And then what I noticed 
is the end of the year, basically longs had all liquidated, but we hadn't really added any material shorts. So then at that point, towards the end of the year is kind of where I was looking to, you know, go long. And it would make sense that, and we started bouncing at the beginning of the year. And it would make sense because it was oversold, all the longs had liquidated, no material shorts had showed up, and it was a good buy, right? It was really cheap. So I it thought really it, cheap, at the right. you know, beginning of the year, we're going to see some type of, of ramp. And so here we are. So yeah. that's basically kind of how I use the COT report, which again, I think is highly underused. You know, there's a lot of reports out there that I'm not sure anymore. I mean, I love my crude and I'm not really sure what to believe in anymore. And, uh, you, you know, even coming from comments from the cartel and, and so forth, it's our API, our EIA, our, you know. I mean, I think you can kind of trade those reports. Well, not API. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you know my feelings about API. Right. They're spectacularly yeah. wrong consistently. So, um, but the EIA data, I mean, generally oil will react to it. So, you know, you can use that uh, kind of to day trade. Um, but again, when you have this spectacular outflow, then inflow of funds, you know, sometimes fundamentals don't matter anymore, right? I mean, this market went way lower than was expected. I mean, OPEC had their OPEC meeting in uh, early December. They tried to stabilize the market and they did for about two weeks. And then we had that, you know, and we had another $10 puke. Right. So it has been, you know, if you're a new crude trader, this last quarter has been spectacularly difficult if you are new. So right now, I mean, coming into this year, 2019, you know, I even know that the, uh, the fundamental supply, it was very transparent. So what you're trading now is you're looking more at the technical analysis. You're sort of going. So, no, I mean, we had this big ramp up again. Now, now we're exactly back in the same trading range that we right. were when OPEC came in and said, oh, we want to stabilize the market. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 50, 30 to 54, 55 area. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. So we kind of got we went down and we kind of got sucked up into the next supply zone. Technically, if you're looking at a daily chart. So I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe stalled out in this area a little bit, which would be definitely an easier range to trade in, you know, not so much when it's trending if you're a new trader. But then again, that's also going to depend on, you know, I'm also watching the equity markets very closely as well, because we have this ramp up in equities and ramp up in crude. They've been very correlated. So there's a relationship uh, there. So absolutely. I mean, they're very correlated lately. So I would normally expect it to stay in the same trading range for a little bit to stall out again. However, if, you know, equity suddenly start selling off again spectacularly, then, you know, I don't think crude would be able to hold a bid that long either. All right. You know, crude oil, I sometimes question myself asking myself, why are you trading this? It hates you. Now, <laughs> let me ask you. What type of trader best suits trading crude oil? I mean, it's a definitely a different trade because it's a very volatile trade. And uh, actually, equities have been lately, too, which is fantastic for mm -hmm. once. It's a definitely for somebody that likes a faster trade. However, it does trade, you know, intraday. Um, it does trade very technically. You know, I mean, I use a lot of levels. I use ADR, average daily range. Um, I use fibs and a lot of other things. But it does move very well technically intraday. Like, um, for example, today, I'm just watching it. You know, we had a big sell-off before the market opened. Sure. And then we just 
ramped back up to hit that 5262 area, which was yesterday closed. So we closed the overnight gap, then started selling off again. So those are kind of, you know, the things that I would be looking for. So it is a very technical trade. Right. I mean, it runs like it's on fire and then it sleeps like my dog uh, during the yeah. day. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you've really got to be selective. And I mean, if you are trading crude, you got to be focused. You got to watch it. I mean, I think the best time to day trade crude really it's like seven to nine in the morning, Eastern time, where the market tends to run a little bit, but it's not. So it's not, it kind of gets rid of, you know, as soon as the US market opens, you get a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you want to trade a little smoother, those hours are really nice to trade crude as well. Now, Tracy, can, can you share with us your process for your trade entries? What are you looking for? Uh, what's uh, the light going on, the green light where you can put an entry in? First, you know, I start every day. I'm looking at first I start, you know, with the largest time frame. So I'm looking at the daily chart because I want to know in the big scope of things, where are we sitting? And then, you know, I move down in time frame and then I actually trade off of off a of 512 tick chart. Mm -hmm. So I always start my day. I mean, kind of look to areas where I think it's going to go the next day. But, you know, you never know what Europe's going to do. So, you know, if I'm not trading Europe and I'm just waking up, I kind of want to, you know, start my day by looking at the bigger picture and then work my way down in time frame um, and then kind of choose my levels from there. So say, again, something like we're far away from you know, we have an overnight gap that we really need to be filled. Where's the overnight gap? Are we above it? Are we below it? Is it likely to come down and fill it or go up and fill it? And from what area? So, you know, I look a lot, you know, of the basic levels, yesterday's close, yesterday's low, yesterday's high. Uh, and then I use interday fibs and also daily, weekly, and monthly. And then I'm also watching order flow in depth. So um, you can kind of, if you're looking at order flow, you can kind of see which way the market's going are they, you know, is it heavily bid? Is it heavily offered? Things like that to kind of make quicker intraday decisions. All right. So, so your pre-market prep, I hope everybody's taking notes because I, I tell you what I like to do. I like to call it the Google earth where you look at that big picture first and then you sort of, uh, you focus in and you move in and you're moving the microscope and you're checking out and then you get to your time frame that you trade. You know, I tell you, I was off a couple of days coming back. You know, I took a look at the 30 day. All right. What's going on in the 30 day here in crude? And then I took it down to a week and then, and then so forth and so forth. So I call it the Google earth. I think that's the best way to at least get an idea where the buyers, the sellers are, where they're trying to manipulate a market. Obviously you can't manipulate any market, but uh, where they want to be and where they want to see these prices. I appreciate that you shared that with us. Now, Tracy, a lot of talk crude just recently. Uh, you know, we've got the president tweeting and we've got sources from Saudi Arabia, unnamed sources talking and commenting and a person familiar with this. And the thing is, right. you know, we're getting bombarded from every side with comments with crude. That's why I think, you know, I mean, some people like to trade those comments, you know, but that's kind of more of a... Uh, maybe a scalper's trade. I, even though I make sure that I'm aware of, you know, I always check who in OPEC said what overnight did the president yeah. tweet, blah, 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 you know, what, you know, what's going on, you know, fundamentally in the news wise and everything. I mean, I always read and look at that 
all that before I do any trading. But I don't really trade off of, you have to kind of know what's been said overnight. How does the market react to that? You know, because obviously a lot of OPEC statements come out in the sure. middle of our night to sure. stay there. So you kind of can use that as an evaluation of, okay, I see the market went up because OPEC said this or they didn't say that. But all in all, don't use any of that to trade in our day, right? right. I'm not looking at what their comments are or thinking about what their comments are or, or anything like that. We'll be sitting here and watching crude and all of a sudden it will slip or it'll rally. And then you're looking for, like, why did this happen? There was no volume there. And you'll take a look on the wire, and it was like the oil minister's great aunt said something. (laughs) You know, it's a little ridiculous that the markets uh, react to that. But it's really not so much that. It's that, you know, know, there's a lot of places that offer news clips. Even Bloomberg offers this service where they, you know, you can, if you're trading with algorithms, they're like news algorithms. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with that. It's not, you know, real traders reacting on that uh, algorithms that are watching that. And even, like I said, even Bloomberg just started a service where, you know, they have like an algorithmic um, news uh, information feed or something like that that you can code your algos to. Um, so those are really algos that are reacting to that. There's not, you know, humans can't react to that fast enough because you're actually, by the time you see it, the market's already moved. So it's not actual traders like me and you reacting to that news. Right. I mean, unless you got a direct line to Saudi Arabia, you know. Right. Okay. But speaking of Saudi Arabia, now the talk, drug of the town, uh, rumors on the street, uh, well, they're looking, well, obviously they're looking to leap this. Now we've hit the 50 handle that was mentioned. They're looking to pull this and they see a target of around 80. For Brent, actually not WTI. Saudi Arabia is on that. That's so that's for Brent's not WTI. That would put WTI around 70. Um, they said they wanted that, but you know, they've said they wanted a lot of things before. That doesn't mean, necessarily mean the market's actually going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, oh, sure. No, I understand it completely. I mean, I think that it's odd that they said 80 because this summer they were saying 80 was too high and they wanted to push the market down because, you know, they had India calling them, they had Trump tweeting at them. So I, I don't, I haven't seen anyone except for sources say Saudi said they wanted target. What I think it is, is their fiscal break even is $80. Now, do they really want that? I, I don't think they really want that. That would hurt the world's economy. I think that's just what they need. And somehow that got interpreted as they want $80, but they don't have to. They're selling a bunch of bonds now. They're doing that, you know, so they don't really need oil at $80. And I don't really think that they said that. <laughs> I think somebody misinterpreted something somewhere. To be honest. Okay. Now let's, let's bring in our good friends, uh, Russia. Now, it seems like Russia, I visualize Russia just sitting back, just laughing at everybody. They are. <laughs> they are. They are. Well, I guess I'm visualizing correctly. Uh, you know, how much of an impact does Russia have? I mean, Russia has a huge impact only in the sense that people like to, and being that the three largest producers are U.S., Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Now, if you're trying to control, not control, sorry, they don't use that word, but if you're trying to control, I'm going to say it anyway, anyway, oil market prices, right? It's really nice to have Russia on board with you because they're a giant producer. Now, the thing is with Russia is they've been smart. They have consistently placed their budget with oil price 
much lower than it's been trading. So they're okay. And also, Russia's not very transparent with their numbers. I mean, they, you know, yeah, yeah, will will decrease, but you know what they do report, just like 2016, they said we'll decrease by three hundred thousand barrels per day. Except for in the two months prior to going into that, they raised their production three hundred. So when it came down to them actually lowering it three hundred, it was actually on par with what they were doing for the whole year. So it wasn't really a cut. When a cut is a new cut. And uh, the same thing is happening now. Their December production was sky high, never been higher. So coming into this year when they say they're going to cut, uh, you know, 100,000 barrels, it's still not really a cut. Russia kind of just does what they say. Yes, yes, we'll do this. But, you know, they do it in, in yes. a fashion where it doesn't actually uh, impact them. We know Russia very well. Right. I mean, they were against cuts before. They want to produce as much as they want to produce. They want to keep producing. And their budget, again, um, I think this year their budget's based on like $50. So, you know, they're okay. Last year their budget was based on $40 and it went up to 76 So <laughs> let's take a step back and let's look north. Um, our brothers and sisters in Canada. Now, right. now Canada is sitting right outside the top five countries for oil production daily. They're a big player. Talk of Canada has been reserved. I really haven't heard much of it. And uh, trading around its 12-month high. What's your take on that situation? I mean, before it was, we're talking about Canada, Canada oil, uh, the pipeline, everything. And all of a sudden, it just sort well, of... What, what, yeah, what, what sort of happened there was, you know, WCS was, tra was <laughs> trading at like $11. And, you know, we were trading at, you know, 50, 60 at that time, um, you know, because there was such a backlog because because we had no pipeline because, you know, of all the, the transportation issues uh, with it. So Canada just announced cuts of 350,000 barrels per day. So WCS obviously got got a huge boost and is now trading like ten dollars under where uh, WTI is, which they really needed. I mean, it was killing killing their industry. They needed to do something. I think. People don't really talk about Canada in the scope of um, the big picture only because, you know, most of their exports go to the United States. They don't really export a lot to the rest of the world. So, you know, it's kind of in its own little bubble. And that's also another problem that they have is that their largest customer is the United States. It would do them justice to, you know, find some other customers. They have recently re reached out to China and things like that. China loves cheap oil and uh, WCS was really cheap. Um, but again, there, there's a problem with transportation because uh, we, they need more pipelines to uh, the East Coast. And they're just trucking it there now, right? Right. They have, train, they have trains and trucks. You know, you need a pipeline. Certainly. So again, there's, there's another problem that they're having. And again, why you know, they were having such a backlog is they were producing so much and there was nowhere for it to go. <laughs> Now, if they get all their ducks in a row, how do you think that's going to affect just overall crude? I, I mean, if they could start becoming like a major exporter and not just the United States, you know, I think that that would, it's a heavier grade crude. So um, it would be more on par with the Brent's contract than, say, mm -hmm. the WTI contract. What we produce here is very light. Um, but, you know, that could possibly impact exports from the United States, per se. All right. Let's go to some of the reports that we had. And I know we touched base on those just a little while ago. How close 
should we? And how close do you watch the weekly updates, government, the cartel reports? And I know that you said that you had a subscription and you checked that out on your, your pre-market prep, but it really seems like crude follows nobody, doesn't listen to anything. It moves on its own. What's the driving force? Yeah, I mean, force? it's not like, again, this is a very strange, t- you know, this last year has been a very difficult difficult trade because it's been completely an emotional trade based on, you know, nothing. I mean, there was no reason to have OPEC cuts because of the Iranian thing. You know, I mean, it's been trading like gold, (laughs) you know, where gold is like a very emotional trade. Um, It's all, you know, all over the place. You know, it used to be very correlated to the dollar and it somewhat is, but bigger picture wise, it's not. So I think that this DOT report, is very important to watch when it's trading like this. Now, another thing mentioning the newswire and news coming over the wire regarding crude. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion. I know that uh, we've got our Facebook community here and when crude does move, you know, we try to find what's hot off the wire and uh, we try to share, right. we try to break it down, try to figure out really what's going on. Now, lately, Newswires have been expressing a slide in crude, um, and we're watching WTI and Brent rising higher. Why is that? Well, you know, I mean, the media. Fake if you're news. if you're listening to OPEC comments, and one that's one thing. Now, if you're listening to you know media journalist articles and things like that, I mean, you'll notice that um, certain publications always have a spin one way or another, right? So you kind of just have to be aware of that, or I find that there are um, Reuters tends to be a little more balanced and things like that than, um, say, some of the other ones, and I'm not going to name names. But, um, you know, they always have a spin, and unfortunately, because of these, you know, algos that read news headlines and things like that, that the market reacts off of it, you're not necessarily always getting 100% of the real picture. So again, you know, I would be careful in, you know, trying to trade off of news headlines. So are, are they playing the the the, uh, the radio bookie game? You ever hear those commercials? I mean, it's everybody's like, it's always like, you know, stocks that are up, you know, you got, you know, Kramer screaming buy stocks. When they're down, he's like selling, right? So uh, they're going to have you sell in the hole or buy the high all the time, right? Mm. That's why I'm but like, don't, you know, my advice is don't look too deep into these, these headlines because a lot of times, you know, oil is speculative. So, you know, it, it really, you know, it really depends on positioning, who thinks what, things like that. And, you know, big funds that are making decisions are not reading media headlines. I completely right. understand. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, I did mention our Facebook community and, and uh, I put the option to ask you a question directly and got a few responses here okay. from our traders in the community. And I'm going to start out here. I've got a question from Raul. Now, actually, there's a few questions here. Uh, he's asking, Tracy, do you prefer scalping or play crude as a momentum play? Um, I Well, it depends on when you call scalping. If you're calling, you know, am I here to grab a few ticks? No, I'm definitely not a scalper. Um, I trade level to level. So, you know, I'm looking for sort of uh, bigger moves in the market as opposed to I'm, I'm trading less. And, you know, I probably intraday trading, you know, I maybe make two trades a day, whereas a scalper probably makes 100. <laughs> so um, I, I look for... For bigger moves in the market. All right. Um, 
do you actively look at WTI Brent spreads or is it more of just a thing to observe nowadays? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I play that spread as well. Um, it doesn't change anything that I do trading, um, just say, you know, like intraday, but I do trade that spread. And that's, you know, now that's really based on, you know, a lot of fundamental information. All right. Got a question from Brett. Brett is asking, how much do algorithms play a part in your trading, if any? Um, they don't. I'm not. I have no algos. And um, I don't. If you are, are watching a footprint chart and an order flow, you can definitely see them, see where they are. But I mean, I don't trade off of I, I don't have an algo. I don't. All right. All right. Um, nothing. <laughs> I'm a, just a discretionary trader. There you go. Now, let me ask you another question. I know before we started, before I hit the record button, you were, were talking about the other markets that you are trading. Can, can you share with us some of the other markets you're watching and why? So, yeah, I mean, I trade the commodity. Well, I trade equities, so I trade ES. Um, and then um, I also trade, uh, which is, you know, very nice to trade alongside of crude are the commodity currencies. So I trade 6E, which is euro, and 6C, which is CAD. Um, CAD really follows the uh, oil market very well. And um, like WCS. We're getting down to the end of our time together. And uh, I'm just going to throw out an Eddie question. Uh, okay. Question that's sort of just a fun question. And my question to you, Tracy, if you won $1 million, but, but you must spend it in an hour, how would okay. you spend it? Classic cars. Done. That's easy. Anybody knows I love cars. Classic cars, the way I see it is if you pick the right ones, it's a good investment. So you can, if you have to spend your million dollars and not invest it, then that's what I would choose to invest in. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, my dad passed a couple of years ago. He had uh, three Cadillacs. He had a 38 limousine and 241 Cadillac, one a convertible and one a sedan. I had such a hard time selling those. Those were classic cars. A lot of talk is about muscle cars. Like everybody wants a muscle car. They want a badass fast car. And that's where a lot of the money is going. So what, when you say classic cars, what kind yeah, of I'm Actually, I like uh, more of the Europe, European cars. So like, you know, Jaguar E-types, you know, kind of a rare, um, rarer, is that a word? More rare. <laughs> more, rare. <laughs> more rare models from, say, the UK things like that. And then I would pick, you know, I would get one sports car. You know. All right. <laughs> you know what, Tracy, we got to play Forza. Do you got an Xbox or place? We got to play Forza. <laughs> it's a great game. You'll love all the cars. But anyway, Tracy, uh, you've got a big fan base and I really respect that. And the thing is that you're not sporadic. You're very dependable on comments. And when somebody asks a question, you, you put the time out. And I think that's why you get a lot of respect and love um, on your Twitter account. Let me ask well, you. Go also, ahead. I try to get to as many as I possibly can. I know. You're just. Answer as many people as I possibly can. You, it, we have to open up a, uh, a shy girl uh, club. Club shy girl. <laughs> Uh, I'll design T-shirts. All right, question. Um, last question here, Tracy. Tracy, we've been talking about Twitter. Um, how can so, how can we find you online, Tracy? I'm just on Twitter. That's I don't have a Facebook or anything like that. So you can find me on Twitter at Shy Girl. Okay, 
spell it out for us? Um, C-H-I-G-R-L. G-R-L. Okay, it's not shy. It's like Chicago. Shy in Chicago. Right. <laughs> and then girl, somebody had G-I-R-L, so <laughs> I picked G-R-L. All right. So much for your Chicago connection. I could have got that for you. Bada bing, bada bang. But anyway, Tracy, I appreciate the time with you. And uh, I, yes, I am one of your fans and I will be constantly watching that Twitter account. C-H-I-G-R-L. Follow and uh, tell her that uh, Top Step sent you. Tracy, have a great week. Trade well. And uh, let's keep in touch. Oh, I forgot. You can also find me at opportunistictrader.com. Oh, with Larry. Yes. So um, he would kill me if I didn't say that. So I'm at opportunistictrader.com. Um, you can find me there. I provide analysis daily. Um, actually, uh, there's uh, a group of us. So we follow, we cover everything from uh, equities to fixed income to commodities to uh, crypto even. So. All right. Well, you see Larry, tell him I said hi. Will do. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we are back. You know, John, I got to honestly say talking with Tracy and seeing what works for her is a huge benefit for a trader. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, coming into 2019, crude has been very unpredictable. Lots of conflicting information and really not a market to give anybody a hint for coming direction. You know, not at all. And, you know, Tracy mentioned how much she likes API. Um, I'm being sarcastic on that one. But <laughs> um, I have to agree with her. You know, OPEC, EIA, API, it really doesn't matter what they think nowadays. Crude does what it wants to do when it wants to do it. Well, yeah, it is it is unpredictable. And, you know, people move that market. Markets, I think, are rational. People are the irrational ones. It's always a challenge. You know, and I tell you, with crude, at least I find it to be a much sweeter victory once you put a few wins together. <laughs> well, that's always sweeter, that's for sure. You know, I'm going to definitely be taking another listen to this podcast. Well, please do. Please do. Cool. All right, be my guest. I, while you're there, tell Tracy I said hello. <laughs> I sure will. John, thanks very much for joining me here today. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks, John. Thanks, Eddie. And thanks, Tracy. Editing and post-production on this episode was done by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.